all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family. From mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions, whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I am a pathologist, and I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens, who is an OBGYN with expertise in maternal fetal medicine. That's high-risk OB. And today we are in the studio together, not always together, but always a pleasure when we are, celebrating this National Audiology Awareness Month. And we want to bring you some awareness about what is audiology Um, Do you need to maybe see an audiologist or do you know someone who does? Um, And all these wonderful things to bring out here to our community. Our guests today are Dr. Vicki Gonzalez and Dr. Mary Frances Johnson, who are both audiologists and associate professors at UMMC in the Division of Audiology. Well, first I want to say hey to Dr. Owens. Well, hey there. What's going on? Nothing much. (laughs) Just kind of enjoying I'm enjoying fall I've never been much of a fall person really um, I would no, think because you like football that this well, would be like so, your jam so yeah so that so so it is my jam from from a sports standpoint for sure but like weather wise because I always think of fall and winter as like short days and so mm-hmm. like and it getting dark early and those kinds of things and so I kind of have always been a little sad but I will tell you the but the weather loving the fall weather like I love the the cool brisk mornings and then it's still warm but not like ungodly hot it's like we moved to california i mean it's it's really really nice um so yeah so i've i've just kind of been enjoying this weather um but you know what it's it's really interesting so um the audiology awareness month um and I'm so glad to be in the studio again with these two rock stars when we did this um, last year. Um, and and we had a really good time talking about a lot of things. You know, I so but I had to go back and reprep because this isn't kind of in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I went back and was doing some research and I cannot believe so. So apparently 165 million people worldwide suffer from hearing loss. Um, one in three people over the age of 65 but hello for those of you who think that just because you're not at the 65 year cutoff that you're good. Not so, because 40% of those people are younger than 60. That's what the AARP says. Um, and so it's, I was really surprised at how common this is because I think that there are some misperceptions about how common. Um, hearing losses like people think that it's somewhat relatively rare and that it's just an old person thing 
And it's really not. And there's like this incredible, like, there are diverse reasons why people have hearing loss. There are different types of hearing loss. There's like, it's, there's a reason why it's a science unto itself. Um, and so I just really wanted everybody to understand that, like, even in this country, there are like between 37 to 48 million people who suffer from some kind of hearing loss. And so I'm really glad that we're taking time today and these wonderful ladies were willing to come and share their time and expertise with us and our listening audience to kind of dig in a little bit and help people understand. So if you guys are touching that dial to turn it up a notch so that you can hear us. (laughs) Um, this is really going to be a great show for you. Don't turn it up too much, especially if you've got your uh, AirPods on or something like that. Right, ladies? Well, yeah, again, thank you so much for, for being here. I think a lot of people silently suffer, and I didn't mean that to be a pun, but they'd suffer with hearing loss and maybe either don't know that they have it or just ignore it. Um, and so it's a great service we're doing today to kind of reach out to our communities and talk about hearing loss and maybe dispel some of the the stigma around it. So thank you for coming. Uh, First, I wanted to start, we were talking at the break about people's familiarity with what is an audiologist, um, uh, what sort of training is involved in becoming an audiologist, and when is it appropriate to to see an audiologist? (laughs) They're like, who's going to say it? Well, thank you for having us. No, you go first. Um, (laughs) We we love being here, um, especially in this audiology awareness month Mm -hmm. um but an audiologist is someone with um specialty training in hearing and balance disorders so um at ummc we have a team of audiologists who either have their clinical doctorate or their phd in audiology and um we are trained to diagnose and treat both hearing and balance disorders because all that's related. Dr. Owens was just talking about how complicated of a structure the ear is. I mean, you think about this thing that's hanging out on the outside of your head, but that's really just the decoration part, right? Right. <laughs> so hearing and balance, how are those related? So your hearing and balance organs are both located um, within the inner ear structure. And so... Um, For hearing, we all understand, um, but most people don't realize that um, we do have organs within our ear that tell our brain where our body is in space. So sometimes um, any issues with vertigo or dizziness or imbalance can actually be a result of maybe uh, involvement um, within those organs of balance in your ear. It's all related. Probably almost everyone has had an experience where they've had a head cold, right? And they had stuffy, that stuffy feeling in their head and kind of a dampened sense of hearing and maybe a little bit of dizziness Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of show about how these things are are all involved. So what what is the most frequent reason that you are referred to a patient, that you would see a, a patient in clinic? Um, Well, I primarily work with um, adult populations. Most often it's a family member who has um, encouraged someone to come see us. Maybe they've recognized more of a hearing problem than the patient themselves. Um, But if people feel like they're often increasing volume of television, if they're having difficulty understanding phone conversations, um, problems hearing, particularly in background noise, uh, that would be usually something that people come in and say, you know, I can I can hear that someone's talking. I don't always understand what they're saying. And um, they come in kind of for that initial assessment. 
So when you talk about background noise, you mean like it's like in the crowded restaurant or something and you're having difficulty hearing someone who's sitting in close proximity to you? Yes, absolutely. Restaurants are really difficult um, because you typically have some music on in the background. You've got multiple tables of different parties talking. You've got, you know, the cutlery noise, noise mm-hmm. from the kitchen. Um, and then in in some newer buildings, not just restaurants, but, you know, kind of that industrial look is really popular. So you have, you know, hard surfaces everywhere, exposed ductwork, no, nothing to, to dampen or to absorb the sound. And so it can be, um, you know, situations of reverberation and all that noise just really kind of competes with the speech signal. And that's usually when people find the most trouble. Now, I love when you said that this this speech signal. So help people understand, like, you know, just the science of, you know, what transpires for our bodies to actually, our brains to actually understand sound, I think is fascinating. And so can you guys just kind of give us a little background on how that works, like a quick and dirty for folks to understand? Yeah, sure. So in, um, I'll try to do it in the most layman's of yes. terms. But, you know, we all know our ear canal and we can see it. And um, sound travels through our ear canals. It vibrates our eardrums. And then we have a little middle ear space that um, has bones that vibrate as well. Um, and then that vibration goes into, um, then also sends a kind of a fluid vibration into our organ of hearing, our cochlea, and there are several structures within that organ um, that then um, kind of activate our auditory nerve fibers, and it's those nerve fibers that then send the signal to the brain and allow us to hear. And when there's structures within that um, organ of hearing, that cochlea, that are um, damaged, that's when we start to see decreased hearing, but also also, um, with hearing loss, it's two parts. It's not just a lot. It's not just a loss in volume, but it's also a loss of clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people say, "I can hear things, but I can't necessarily understand them because it may not be significant enough." But that loss of clarity is to um, cause a lot of the disruptions in their communication. Such fine, delicate organs in there. Um, so, listening audience, here's an organ you might not have known that you had: the cochlea. Add it, put it on the list. Indeed. We have two fantastic audiologists in the studio today, ready to take your questions and comments. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Allie Brown, here today with the wonderful Dr. Michelle Owens and two other doctors, doctors of audiology, Vicki Gonzalez and Mary Frances Johnson, both from UMMC. Um, the Department of Otolaryngology, Head and Neck Surgery in the Division of Audiology. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, well, I think I did. I did all right. I did all right. So uh, we're, we're so glad to have you guys. We were talking about all of the delicate intricacies of hearing um, and about how hearing, I love the point you just made, is not just about volume, but about the quality. So you may be able to hear, but you may be finding that you have a hard time understanding the sounds these signals that are coming. Is everybody around you mumbling? What? Is everyone around you mumbling? The, look. <laughs> Why is everybody mumbling? Maybe and they're not. We may or may not have some people in the audience that have had that very discussion with a parent or a spouse, mm-hmm. right? Well, doctors, um, we talked some about 
your practice, Dr. Johnson, in, mainly in the adult population. And so, Dr. Gonzalez, tell us about, I know you work a lot with children. I work a lot with um, implantable devices. So I probably do work more with adults than I do children. Oh, but, um, but typically when hearing aids are no longer enough is mm-hmm. when um, my patients come to see me because that means that even with hearing aids, they're still struggling um, to communicate. And mm-hmm. so um, there are options beyond hearing aids. I think a lot of um, mask use really showed people how much they could not hear because yes. there was a large absence of visual cues. And so that has really kind of helped to educate people on kind of their degree of hearing loss. Yeah, people didn't even realize they were relying on reading lips probably, right? Exactly, wow. for so much of their communication. So, um, But yeah, so beyond hearing aids, um, we do have things like cochlear implants that can then restore a person's ability to communicate and have those conversations Um in both quiet and background noise situations. And I guess that's part of my bias um, that I had. I guess you see these things on social media, these wonderful videos. We've all seen them when the, it gives me chills to think about it, when they first turn on the cochlear implant in the child and they hear their mom's voice for the first time. So in my mind, I associated cochlear implantation with children. But mm-hmm. what you're saying is the majority of cochlear implant patients are actually adults. I would say it's um, from infants to mm-hmm. adulthood. So um, I, it's probably equal across all ages, um, but we do implant um, FDA criteria is as young as nine months for some wow. systems. Wow. Um, and we can um, oftentimes go a little younger. And then we have patients that come to see us who are in their 90s and who want to be able to communicate. And so um, it really is across hearing losses across the age spectrum. And so it isn't just something that affects the elderly. Well, I think that's really important because I think um, there's there is a lot of stigma surrounding this. And for some of the difficulties. I remember this when we, when you guys were here last time, and we talked about um, some of the difficulties that people encounter sometimes in, in the process of getting whether it's hearing aids, cochlear implants, what have you. Um, and, I, but I, I also recognize that there are some people who kind of just, who it's almost like like this. It's like wearing, it's like wearing readers or needing glasses. It, it's sometimes very difficult for people to come to grips with or to reconcile the need for a cochlear implant or some type of device. Yeah, even hearing help. aids, right? Yeah, I'm not absolutely. wearing hearing aids. Yeah, well, and well, they look funny, or that means I'm going to be. They'll make me look old, They're or all big. these things. But, but I mean, when you think about the things that you actually are missing out on, um, and how that can be a pathway to kind of reintegrate you into you know so into social situations and help you to kind of engage and interact with the people who matter most to you I think a lot of times that's not the story that gets told people don't recognize um, especially if they've been living with subtle I I understand that a lot of times these they start off it starts off really subtle mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like bam and all of a sudden I can't hear anything but it can sometimes be a very gradual onset over a prolonged period of time and then by having one of these devices then it really makes it can be life-changing for people I mean there are chronic medical it like issues that are increased if you have a hearing loss it increases your risk for some chronic illnesses like dementia mm-hmm. and 
and even with falls, like we are talking about equilibrium and, and balance and those kinds of things. And so I don't, I don't know that that's the stuff that people always hear and understand. I don't think they get that and how important this can sometimes be to, um, to overall like quality of life, like quality the quality of life, of life issues mm-hmm. that, go, that surround um, having assistance with your hearing. Oh, absolutely. Um, I talk with my patients about quality of life issues a lot because you don't realize how isolating hearing loss can be, um, particularly for um, adults who maybe find themselves no longer participating in some of their favorite activities because they can't hear. Um, maybe they're embarrassed by hearing loss. They, you know, ask for repetition once or twice. And if if the other party seems to be annoyed to have to repeat, then they just stop asking. Um, and, you know, those are times when we really have conversations about, um, you know, trying some kind of amplification, communication strategies, um, information for your communication partners. There's lots that we can talk about to try to bring you back into the conversation. Um, so what what are some of those strategies and some of those devices? I kind of mentioned, you know, the hearing aids that we think of from 20 years ago are not the hearing aids that we talk about. These today. aren't your mama's hearing aids. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and a lot of people do come in kind of with that idea in their mind. These are big and bulky devices. They come in beige or brown, and, you know, you can see them from a mile away. And, um, you know, one thing that I think with, if you think about the technology of your cell phone, how far that has come, um, these types of personal listening devices um, have really made improvements in hearing aid technology. So now you can have hearing aids that stream, have direct connectivity to your smartphones and stream your phone calls, and you can have... um, apps where you can control different um, settings, like we mentioned the restaurant settings. You can have a restaurant mode to try to help in those background noise situations. Um, As far as just the styles and sizes, there are so many um, very small, inconspicuous options. Um, And then, you know, now everybody's used to seeing people with Bluetooth headsets and AirPods and everything else in and on their ears. So it's really not um, something that's really noticeable. Um, and it doesn't have to look like a foreign, crazy object that you have. Um, it looks kind of hip. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Kim Kardashian needs to come out with a line of <laughs> hearing aids and everybody, that drop would be, you know, it would be sold out in like five seconds, right? It's true. Yeah. Everyone's got stuff in their ears now mm-hmm. and... It's just completely more. So that, that's a great opportunity mm-hmm. um, for those people who are in need of some sort of listening device. Well, it's, you know, I so I have a, a very close friend who um, who recently shared, I say recently, but who shared on um, a social media platform. And you know how we always say I did a thing. And so we were talking about quality of life um, and I wanted to share just something that that she shared, um, but she said, you know, she got hearing aids, and she was talking about how COVID was the thing that started. I realized that I could not understand people talking to me unless they were facing me, and how reliant I was upon reading lips. But then she said she got evaluated and found out that she needed hearing aids, and she said, "Can I tell you how much joy I have right now? I am able to hear people speak to me, most especially my children, without saying, huh." 
Did you know the birds sound crisp or the wind has a swishing sound? There are so many things I didn't realize I was missing. She said, I had a full-on conversation with my children when I got back from work. They were busy, but the conversation kept going even with their backs turned to me. There was no distraction of having them repeat what they had to say five times over, slower, so I could read their lips. And so it was really interesting. She said, my audiologist tells me that I will get used to that in time. My brain just has to rewire itself now that it has normal input. Oh. And I just thought that was so, like so powerful. And this is, when I tell Mary. you, a, a really like amazing human who does all of the things and the vulnerability, but just this extreme joy that was being portrayed by... <clears throat> her having this this in her life and and it's not somebody you would ever have thought like I would have never known that she had problems with her hearing um but I just thought that was really special and to think that that you guys have the opportunity to create these moments for people and and that sometimes fear and stigma can stand in the way of them being able to have this kind of experience I mean the whole concept I remember when my son first put his glasses on and was like, whoa, look at those leaves on the trees. Like, cause they look different as opposed mm-hmm. to the big amorphous green blob. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like there was detail and, and there was a much more rich experience. And it, it seems like it's the same for hearing. And I know that I did learn this too. Vision and hearing accentuation is different. It's not like you put on the glasses Correct. and, I get that. You see that over and over again. Like, it's not like just throwing on glasses that they're they're often. So for those people who are on this journey, on their audiology journey, that it is a it's a process mm-hmm. and and it's not instantaneous. There are going to be some things that change quickly. But it was and I think that was interesting because my friend mentioned that in her post. She was like, you know, my brain needs time to rewire and to get accustomed. And so even once you have the opportunity to have, whether it's hearing aid or a cochlear implant or whatever, that there's a process where you still, it still kind of has to fine tune itself while your brain does its, its special work um, to give you that optimal experience. So for those of you who are out there who have been hesitant about it or who even may have started and feel like, oh, it's not going to work for me, um, don't give up on that because um, there is a whole loud crazy world out there (laughs) or even Um, just be knowledgeable about your hearing loss so even if amplification options you're still hesitant about just at least know whether or not you do have a hearing loss and you touched on something in that statement is it brought her joy but also she had this energy to have the conversations and hearing loss is takes effort and so you're more tired and that also kind of just puts negativity towards the other daily tasks. We're going to go to the phones. Trish is calling us from Jones County. Hey, Trish, what's what's your question? My question is, or a statement first, um, AARP Bulletin this month had an article on hearing aids, and they even talked about over-the-counter hearing aids, and I was wondering when would that be applicable, and is it smart, or is it wasting money? That's a great question. All right, Dr. Johnson. That is a great question, and I was hoping that someone would ask that. Um, I did read that article. Um, So uh, 
the over-the-counter hearing aids is a really um, hot topic right now because the FDA released its final rule last month, and they're expecting that these products would be available. October 17th was really kind of the target date. So we're... That's Monday. We're yeah, right mm-hmm. here. Um, but there are still a lot of unknowns. And so what our goal is at this point is to really educate the public on what these devices are. So um, based on the FDA's ruling, they're kind of separating now two categories, prescription hearing aids and over-the-counter hearing aids. Um, Over-the-counter hearing aids are absolutely not for anyone under the age of 18. Um, They are for adults who perceive a mild to moderate hearing loss. Um, They are likely going to be available at you know, big box retailers, probably online, maybe some of the um, electronics type stores. But we don't know um, all of the different manufacturers. We don't know all of the price points, but we know there will be a range. Everything that I've read about um, gives a range of $200 to well over $1,000. So, um, you know, I think when when people first think about over-the-counter options, no matter what product you're talking about, you, you're hoping that it means significant cost savings. Um, but, but the important thing to remember is that just because it's over the counter doesn't mean it's the cheapest option, doesn't mean the cheapest option is the best option. So the first thing that we would encourage you to do, just like Dr. Gonzalez was mentioning, is have your hearing tested. Because, um, you may perceive that you have a mild degree of impairment when you, in fact, have moderate moderate to severe hearing loss. And then whatever money you invest, whether it's a little or a lot, um, you have invested in a product that's not going to meet your needs. So the first step I would recommend is a hearing test by a licensed professional. Um, there are apps that you can do kind of quick tests to let you know if you might need to seek further treatment or evaluation. Um, but that would be the, the first recommendation. But I would just be um, cautious, I guess, and do your research. So um, some of the over-the-counter products, I can tell you, are more expensive than the prescription hearing aids that we offer at UMMC. So I have a quick question. Um, do you, um, with we were talking about hearing aids, and then I had one, and it just just as quickly as that question <laughs> popped in my head, it disappeared. Um, so we'll just go on to my my next little fun fact. Uh, fun fact: there is no um, there's no sound in space. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, so if you, wanna, like, right. if you ever want to like, if you ever want to win, if you ever want to win at a trivia game or really stump your friends one day, just throw that out there. No sound in space. Um, and hopefully my question that I had will come back to me because you said something and it triggered me when you were talking about the, um, about the over the counter versus the, um, prescription hearing aids. Well, speaking of questions, we're going to go straight to the phone lines and talk to Lori, who's calling us from Diamond Head. Hey, Lori. Hey, can y'all hear me? Yes, ma'am. Loud and clear. We can hear you. Good. Good. Um, so this is very fortuitous, uh, that I just tuned in. My mom is 92. She is coming to live with me in a few weeks when she's discharged from a rehab facility from a broken hip. And uh, she's been hard of hearing for, oh gosh, maybe, I don't know, a decade. And she never wants to do the hearing aid because of the cost. 
but now, because we're yelling, we can't communicate, it's very difficult, uh, she's saying, I want to do it. So how do I, you know, being that she's that old and has had a hearing loss for so long, where do I go with her and what am I looking at? And even maybe the cost, if you can give me any idea. Mm-hmm. Um- uh, very good questions. So um, we, I would start um, at an audiologist clinic or an ear, nose, and throat practice typically has um, audiologists on staff who do hearing tests. Um, the evaluation would be the first step just so you and she are aware of what her degree of hearing loss is, and then the audiologist can talk with you about options. Um And just as we had mentioned that there are different styles and sizes, um, you know, we take multiple things into account when we make selections, Um, a patient's dexterity, how how easy a certain device will be for them, um, if they have um, family or other support who will help take care of it. So um, we always want to find something that's going to be the most beneficial um, and the least cumbersome. Um, As far as the price goes, there is a range, you know, I can only speak to our clinic costs, but there are a range from what we would consider maybe economy type, um, kind of very basic digital entry level hearing aids. Um, And then the, the cost increases as your technology level increases. So, you know, around um, $500 likely per device. Um, but then there's other things that we offer, um, personal amplifiers. So for some patients, particularly those who, um, are maybe older and have more difficulty either with vision, with dexterity, um, or, or taking care of smaller pieces, um, there are some, some things that are just very easy personal amplifiers, and that may be all that she would need. Those are considerably less expensive. We offer those in our clinic, and you can get them probably at most audiology practices. So don't be intimidated, Lori. You just got to make that first step and go find a provider to walk through all those different options with you. Good luck. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you. Staying on the phone lines, we're going to talk to Juanita, who's calling us from Charleston. Hey, Juanita. Hi. What's your question? Um, I have a question. I wanted to comment before I pose the question. I wanted to say that um, over 21 years ago, I had southern hearing loss. <clears throat> I had given birth, and my son was two months old. And um, I was diagnosed with uh, labyrinthitis as well, and I've had a difficult time. My whole life changed because of that. Since that time, I've had several tests performed by audiologists and um, hearing specialists, and basically I was told that it would not um, benefit from the hearing aid. I do know that that was over 20 years ago, so I was just wondering what options are available now because my quality of life has kind of plummeted because I can't keep up with conversations or I ignore people. And then I was listening earlier about the sounds, like in certain settings. I have a problem with that, so I have to sit in certain areas when I go to places in order to hear. And it's really been a problem because now I have grandchildren and I listen to the TV on real high, and I don't want to distort their hearing because I can't hear because... <laughs> Usually I put it on pause and 
um, listen to what they have to say or I'll just turn it off or I'll just get frustrated and just, you know, just leave the room because, you know, it's like I can't hear. I don't understand. Yeah. So what options are there available? Um, so for because I'd, I'd like to, to get a quality of life back, you know, so that I can continue to learn because now i found that I've stopped learning because I don't understand something. Absolutely. So um, you touched on something that some of the listeners may not realize is that um, we have two ears for two main reasons, and that is to be able to understand in background noise, but also to know where sounds are coming from. So that's why you're positioning yourself in certain situations. And um, obviously, 20 years ago, we didn't have the technology we do today. Um, So now cochlear implantation for certain individuals who do not have hearing in one ear, it's um, considered either um, asymmetrical hearing loss or single-sided deafness, um, is now an option. It's not an option for everyone, but certainly something that I would recommend um, an evaluation for. Um, that would be a visit to an ENT or an otologist who d- um, do these type of surgeries, and then they would recommend you for further evaluation. And I certainly think it is worth it um, because if it is something you are a candidate for, then um, it d- has helped several people kind of gain back that quality of life, like you mentioned, being able to be present for your grandchildren and be able to have those conversations and continue the learning process because we're never too we're never too old to continue to learn. So I would certainly recommend. Um, there's also other non-surgical options that can be discussed um, and to see if one of those would be beneficial for you. But yes, t- 20 years ago, those options weren't available, but today they are. And so I would certainly relook into those. I appreciate that because I was really intrigued by <clears throat> the comment that there are some things that or devices that you could have that would maybe give you um, access to Bluetooth things like the mm-hmm. TV or your smartphone because that would definitely help me because once I lose my phone, it's lost, especially if nobody's around. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody's around to help me find it because if it rings, I don't know where it is. I hear the ringing, but I, I can't find it. Sounds like lots of options there that could yeah. really improve your life, and it's worth it to get out there and... and- Check those things out. We want to hear an update. Absolutely. Good luck to you. You Thank you. Thank you very much. And she mentioned that it happened, you know... In like shortly after after her birthing process, it is not uncommon for there to be some associated hearing loss um, in pregnancy as well. So that's something that you can see. Um, hormonal fluctuations can play a part in that, um, as well as. Um, you know, pregnancy is also a situation where your body is more prone to um, to what we call thromboses or blood clots and clotting. And so if you have that on the microvascular side, you can sometimes also have 
um, vascular damage that can ultimately lead to um, to hearing loss, especially. And and she just mentioned like the, the labyrinth, especially in that um, in the labyrinth area. So it's just something. It's not something that people typically think about. It's definitely not as common as like the nausea or edema or things of that nature. But um, but it is something that um, can sometimes be associated with or uh, with pregnancy or. Um, you know, something that may be experienced shortly after birth as well. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us, Juanita, and we wish you the best of luck. We'd love to hear an update. We are working into the last segment of our show today, hard to believe. So call us with questions and comments. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective, or perhaps for women's perspectives is what we have today. I'm Dr. <laughs> Allie Brown. <clears throat> I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and our two audiologist friends, Dr. Vicki Gonzalez and Dr. Mary Frances Johnson, who are both in practice at UMMC here in Jackson. And we are talking about hearing loss. This is National Audiology Awareness Month. We just had someone, we had a quick uh, sidewalk consult about tinnitus. So what is tinnitus? So tinnitus or tinnitus, you might have heard it pronounced either way. It's a ringing, buzzing, any type of noise that you're hearing in your ears. Um, that is one of the things that, that sometimes drives people to the clinic. You know, they've they've got this bothersome sound, not sure where it's coming from. Um, it can be perceived in one ear or both ears. Um, for some patients, it's extremely annoying. Um, some patients have trouble falling asleep at night. Um, not always, but sometimes it is an indication that you have some hearing loss. So that's one reason why we would do a comprehensive hearing test for those complaints. Um, it may only be at a few pitches that you have hearing loss, but um, you can perceive that that ringing, buzzing, hissing, any type of noise. Um, there's not a quick and easy treatment. You know, there's no magic pill that will make that go away, unfortunately. Um, but for patients who do have hearing loss, hearing aids are really our first treatment option um, because we give your brain this new auditory stimuli. You're not just sitting in this quiet room all alone thinking and dwelling on the ringing sound. Um, there are patients who will come back and report that they don't perceive the sound anymore or that it's much less bothersome, easily managed. And then with some of these newer um, devices with the technology today, we can actually have programs where if a patient is noticing, experiencing that problem, it's becoming more bothersome. You can actually put it into a listening program that has a low-level tinnitus masker in the background. So um, it's like walking around with white noise. Exactly, that's <laughs> like exactly. That. Yeah. Um, and and that's very helpful for some people. So um, you know, don't think that if you are experiencing this, it's just something you have to live with. Mm. Um, there may be something that we can do to help. And what kinds of things can we do? Just because we we've got about six minutes or so left in the broadcast, and so what what can people do to kind of to prevent hearing loss like are there really good ways to prevent hearing loss what what can we do to You're getting on the good side of these yes, ladies right now with that question there. they we like love this prevention yes. um and you know that that's one of the ways to avoid getting to the point where you need hearing aids is maybe to take better care of your ears and hearing early on so um the easiest is to reduce the volume so turn the volume down if you are in control of the volume of 
whatever you're listening to. Um, distancing yourself from a noise source. So if you go to the concert, don't stand next to the amps and the speakers. You know, um, distance helps. Um, the main thing is wearing proper hearing protection. So um, whether you are mowing the lawn or going to a concert or woodworking tools or dentistry hunting. tools. Hunting, mm-hmm. yes. Um, this is a perfect month to have audiology awareness because we're right here in the fall where we have hunting season, um, football season. So, you know, you're going to loud sporting events where there are marching bands, huge crowds, um, and for some people, they're cowbells. And so uh, (laughs) those are extremely loud. Um, So proper hearing protection for all ages. There is hearing protection for babies, and there are hearing protection for older adults. So, um, and then the way you use the hearing protection. So, you know, if you grab some foam earplugs, it's certainly better than nothing, but there is a proper way to insert foam earplugs so that you're getting the most, um, protection that you can. Yeah. You don't just shove them in. They say you gotta, you gotta roll them. You gotta roll them, pull up on the ear. See, somebody has been purchasing little foam I wear them in the hotel when I travel. That's for for sure. For the little kid, because my kids at the football games, like a lot of times they, they are concerned about that. Like I can Mm -hmm. tell that the noise bothers them. So Mm -hmm. I told them, well, we were at a, we were at one game and a lady gave me one pair Okay, I got three kids. She gave me one pair, which was great. I was I was really appreciative because there was one kid that was walking around with both of her, both the hands over the ears. Everybody else seemed to be okay. But after that, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to. I should have these. Like this was ingenious to me. And so I went on um, online and and purchased just some foam ones and was reading the thing. And they're like, oh well, make sure you roll them down and all that, and don't just shove them you know, in your ear. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool that there's even a special, I, I never knew that. I just shoved the dog on things in my ear. Um, but I realized that I there's actually that a way th- today's years old when yeah. you learn this, I don't right? Think you should shove yeah. anything in your ear. I think <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably one of the, the yeah. rules. Nothing small. Don't put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. But yeah. the earplug thing, I thought that was really interesting because that was on the, on the instructions mm-hmm. to, that there was actually a way to properly apply them, which I did not know. And, right. and there are people who will say, well, I've tried them, but they're very uncomfortable. Well, we can make custom hearing protection. Mm-hmm. So a quick ear impression. And we can make um, little silicone. There can be filtered. If you like going to concerts, a lot of times musicians will say that they don't want to wear hearing protection because it dampens the sound quality, um, especially if they are in the middle of a performance. And there are filtered plugs. We can um, specify, you know, if you're a vocalist, you need a certain decibel degree um, filtered. If you are a percussionist, you need a different, higher level um, filter. So, you know, there's there's some things that we can do to tailor so that the activities that you participate in, you don't have to quit doing. You can just enjoy them at a safer level. I love that. Mm-hmm. So many great options and yet another reason not to just necessarily purchase something over the counter without consulting with with an expert such as yourselves about really the optimal way to invest or if you do and save to choose your what you're going to do. Save, save your receipt. You might not be able to return that. I don't if know. If you do save your receipt. <laughs> We just want to say that next week on Southern Remedy for Women, we will be talking about yoga with Tara Blumenthal from Tara Yoga. So make sure you turn in 
tune in next week. And then on November 4th, we're going to have one of our favorite shows, you know, other than audiology, and that is The Foot Show. Dr. Stephanie Thomas will be here, our podiatrist friend, to talk all about. So get your foot questions ready. You know, it, 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 the phone lines explode. So you could just get us on speed dial now so you can get in to talk to the, the, the foot doctor, to the, our podiatrist friend, Dr. Stephanie Thomas. Yeah, the gentlemen have been a little quiet today on the show, but just want you guys to know that if they you're looking hear. at that group between 20 to 69, um, hearing loss is probably about twice more common in men of those age groups than women. So, um, fellas, if you were just listening quietly, um, I just want you to know that you would be a at-risk group. They might be. <laughs> they should be. If you're not, you should be. And if you are in one of those high-risk um fields, whether you're working at the, you know, on the grounds at the airport or in an area where you have a lot of noise exposure, just make sure that you have proper um, protection. Mowing the lawn. My husband wears ear protection when he mows the lawn. His dad is an ENT, but he does. (laughs) And he has special (laughs) earplugs when he likes to go to concerts that are specific for still being able to enjoy music. So those options are out there. Everyone needs to be very conscious of their hearing. Yeah, and you can still enjoy your life and, and be safe. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from our listeners, much like yourselves. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Charles Arnold. With Dr. Michelle Owens, I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Thanks for being with us, and join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Y'all be safe, be kind. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.